Welcome to Grace River Church, located in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Our mission is to see every generation experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives. We hope you enjoy today's message. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. What a powerful time of worship. <clears throat> I want to encourage you also, as Josh has already shared, um, it's still time to get involved in those grace groups. That is not something we just uh, lightly encourage you to do. It's life-changing, and you sort of have to experience to, to understand it. Even the groups that meet on Sunday morning, uh, two powerful classes upstairs on Sunday morning, and I, I just encourage you, take advantage of it. Uh, there's, there's tremendous growth. Amen? Uh, we've been in this series, and this morning I just want to start a little bit different because how many of you understand or you have found out that uh, when you start praying sometimes, things just start happening that you don't expect? <clears throat> uh, Pastor Josh just said it a moment ago that really what we're doing is we're saying there's, there's a little bit of heaven that's taking place on earth right now. It's it's now, but not yet. We're, we're experiencing thy kingdom come, thy will be done now. And if, if you're like me, when I start praying, Lord, this is your kingdom, he says, okay. So let's make it look like it, John. And some change, transformation starts to happen. And I love when I hear stories. And Cindy, if you'll please come. Cindy and her daughter, Amanda, <clears throat> uh, we first met them about two months ago when they started attending. And they're actually just here very temporarily. Please, no. I'm going to make you stand all the way up here. And I've asked her, she shared some things with me last week, and I just want, this is their last Sunday. They're going to be they're moving, and, and I just wanted her to share what God, I believe is a very familiar story, but I want you to hear what God is doing. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm so thankful to be at this church. God's done amazing things since we've been here. Um, we came as a calling of the Lord to help a friend that was moving that is physically unable and in another state. Um, and um, we've just enjoyed the message here, and we've joined you in fasting, um, fasting for this church, fasting for our own desires and direction. Um, we came from Colorado thinking that maybe we're going back there. But during this fast, um, Two Sundays ago, the, um, we've been talking about the Our Father and praying it. I pray it every day. And um, when Pastor was talking about that, he shared, you know, that we're, you know, we're praying God's will, and we're going the opposite direction sometimes. We're praying God's will, and our hearts are not lined up with his will. Our motives um, could be wrong, but most of the time it's our heart. Know, and um, so when he shared the, I don't know if you remember about the chiropractor and the man's arm wouldn't, you know, he's taking all this medicine, it wasn't healing, and he needed to be adjusted, and he was out of alignment. Well, I was getting so uncomfortable in my seat, <laughs> I just wanted to run. <laughs> but I stuck it through, and I said, Lord, and I could see myself. Give me if I cry. I've had a lot of blows, and they've come rapidly in the past few years. And the last one just took me out, and my heart was hardened. I could see where I was standing. I felt something change within my soul. And um, I just kept on going because I'm a fighter. 
the Lord called me to Colorado to go to Bible college. I sold everything and I left. And God has changed my life so immensely. But what he showed me was, and I had to come here, had to come here to see that I was filled with grief. I was filled with grief. You know, I thought, he said, it's not unforgiveness, it's grief. You've taken these blows and you didn't give them to me. You've stuffed them and you've kept on going. And, and brothers and sisters, we know we can run, but we can't hide. <laughs> we cannot hide from God. He will find us out and he will seek us if we are seeking him. He will meet us where we're at. And he took my grief two Sundays ago. And I was in grief for three days because I just could not deal with it. So I just kept on going, living life. But God set me free, and my, and my heart was hardened to where he wants to take me next. And I didn't see it. I was blind, you know, because there's things that happen in our past, and we don't know how to deal with them. And he said to me, and what we've been learning about the, the prayer, he said, I've done that on the cross. You know, we talk about healing in terms of a physical way, but he's taken our grief if we give it to him. He's taken yeah. our shame. He's already done it. He did it on the cross over 2,000 years ago. And we carry so much that he was supposed to be carrying. All the burdens are his. And I learned that in such a great way, and I just wanted to share that with you today, to take everything that you have, all the negative emotions, whether your past, whether the present, and lay it at the cross because he wants to take us. And there's a kingdom, like the other pastor was saying today, he said, I want you to live a victorious life. You pray on in, heav in heaven as it is on earth. That's how I want you to live. And I want to show you how to do it. And I want you to tell others about it. Because we don't have to live in bondage. We don't have to live crippled up and burdened down. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand together. Don't get nervous. You think we're closing. <laughs> I, let's put that scripture up there. We've been quoting this every Sunday, and I, I just want us to do this one more time, but when you're standing, you can breathe deeper. So I want us to say it. I know you may have it memorized, but if you don't, we're going to put it up there for you because I want us to have this memorized, but let's just let's read this together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, as we are praying to you even now, God speak to us. Lord, today is a very special day for a lot of people. It's freedom. And Father, I pray that you do your work. Holy Spirit, um, it, it is your will that must be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. <coughs> the, the very small part of this prayer that we're focusing on today. <coughs> Forgive us our debts we forgive our debtors I love in verse 13 in or 14 actually in Matthew 6 and that's the first scripture we'll read up there in just a moment but as you can see the very first 
thing Jesus talks about after he teaches his disciples to pray. He simply says this, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's pretty strong, isn't it? We pray this prayer, he's our Father. We've heard it sung this morning powerfully, he's our Father. He sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price that has been paid. We'll see that in a moment. We can say, let your kingdom come in your will. This is your kingdom. We surrender to you. Give us this day our daily bread, and he meets our needs. Forgive us our debts. And as Jesus says, and it's Jesus, if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. What is a debt? <clears throat> uh, this particular word here used um, is used again in Matthew chapter 18. We'll look at that in just a moment. But, but it's not a, an unusual term. The word debt does mean a loan that you can pay back. And in many usages, that's exactly what it means. It, it means that somebody's loaned you something. Uh, it may be finances. It may be something else. But you are indebted to them. But over time, you pay it back, and you have the means to pay it back. But this word that here used in the Lord's Prayer and in Matthew 18, the only two times it's used like this in the New Testament, it means a, a legitimate debt that you cannot pay back. In, in other words, it's akin to the word that we know as bankrupt. You are so in debt, you will not be able to pay it back. Solvency is another term. When a business is insolvent, it means it's so deep in debt, they'll never be able to surface again. Now, maybe you can't imagine that, or maybe you're there and just have blocked it out. And you're, you're living by faith. I'm not in debt. I'm not in debt. I don't know. But here's what this passage is saying. He's saying that death is this thing that we will, or debt is this thing that we will never be able to pay. And Jesus is saying in this prayer, forgive us our debt. Forgive us our debt that we'll never be able to repay. As we forgive those who have a debt against us that they'll never be able to pay. Now, I'm going to say a lot of things this morning that are going to hit us the right way. It's just not going to feel like it. Because the reality is, here's how, here's how my feelings tell me to feel when it comes to forgiveness. Lord, forgive me for everything, but they get, they get to earn it. They, they get, you know, because Lord, after all, my feelings are involved in this process now. I felt pain. So Lord, please forgive me. But I'm going to use the other translation of debt with them. That's not what he means. See, the first point I want to just talk about this morning is this. We have to confess. Now, there's no word. The word confession is not in the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> but that's exactly what you're doing when you say, forgive us our debt. 
You're confessing that you have a debt. You're confessing that you have a, a deficiency. And, and I don't mean just a quirk. Um, you're confessing that you have something. Uh, in the book of Luke, the Lord's Prayer includes the word sin. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Because that's what Jesus is talking about. Um, Jesus does not care about your finances. He knows if he, got your, if he has your heart, you know, finances will work themselves out. He wants our heart. And see, the problem, let's just talk about this for a second. The problem with forgiveness, I'll just use myself as an example, because I know most of you probably don't wrestle with it. The problem with forgiveness is I typically forgive people the way I think I receive forgiveness. Here's, here's what I'm saying. I, I typically forgive people the way I think God's forgiving me. Which means over time, uh, don't raise your hands on this, have you ever felt like, there's no way he would forgive me. I've gone too far. There's no way he would forgive me. I've messed up too much. There's no way. I, I seem to keep cycling through the same process. I, I'm not even going to pray it anymore because I know he won't forgive me. And see, we treat people the same way. We don't think he'll forgive us, so there's no way in hell we're going to forgive them. Now, the reason I said that is that's where you end up when you don't. Because, he, listen, this is the word of God. He's very clear. If you don't forgive, don't even ask. How do I ask? How do I even start this? Because that's powerful. Um, and please don't, I'm not trying to sugarcoat this in regards to um, if somebody asks forgiveness, all your emotions should be taken. Okay, wow, that works. I'm good. No, um, I, I'm not talking about you suddenly become um, living in denial against people hurting you or harming you and somehow supernaturally you don't feel it. No, Jesus felt every stripe. Jesus felt every punch. Jesus felt everything, every nail. And he still said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. So what does this got to do with, with the Lord's Prayer, Pastor? Well, <clears throat> it's simply this confession part must be lived out. What does it look like? Well, I can't receive forgiveness if I believe I have to earn it. And I just want to say this. I believe a lot of us still practice the I've got to earn God's forgiveness. I think a lot of us still, we don't say it, but we still sort of live it. Because we, we mess up or, or we say something or we do something, and then we, we sort of feel, okay, Lord, please forgive me. I really mean it this time. And we sing harder. Because if we sing harder, he knows we're more serious, right? Amen? <clears throat> Are we really pray harder? Because if we pray harder, he hears us and he knows we're serious this time. Or, or maybe we read the Bible this week because we want to show him that we're serious. Or we might even get involved in helping out around ministry. But see, the Bible says that those kind of works are dead works. Why? Because they can't. your works do not save you. They don't produce life. And it's not that those things aren't important. They just don't save. Worship doesn't save you. Giving doesn't save you. 
Being involved in ministry doesn't save you. <clears throat> um, it would be something to akin, and, and these are called dead works, but can you imagine when we apply that to our lives, understanding what we're really trying to do? It's like, okay, Lord, I've really failed you again. So I'll be an usher for a couple of months to work off this guilt. And somebody walks in the door and you greet them with that guilty praise. And they say, why are you doing what you... I'm on probation. I really messed up bad and I'm trying to work it off for Jesus. I'm even working with the children next week. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I'm, I want God to know I'm serious about this. I'm going to help with the children and the cafe on, on the same Sunday. Hello? Oh, you know I'm right. We, we start doing everything out of guilt rather than praise. Now, why is this important? Because if we're not careful, and I'm, this, is, this gets a little heavy this morning. I, I've told several of the staff and even my wife this week, I said, this is going to be different, but I'm really praying that it comes across the right way because this is not to condemn. Most of us are living in guilt and fear rather than praise and victory. Why? Because we have forgotten what Christ really has done. Listen to Romans chapter 4. Paul is saying, for if Abraham was justified by works, he would have something to boast about, but not before God. Think about that for a second. I do this, and I give this, and I serve here. God's not impressed with that, because that's not how you're justified. But he goes on to say, for what does the scriptures say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Believing God counted to him as righteousness. Uh, some translations will use the word credited. But basically, the debt that he had that he could not repay because he believed God God counted it toward his account with righteousness. Am I making sense? Now, it goes on. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us in chapter 5, he says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled. There's a lot of accounting terms here that honestly, if I try to define all of them, I'd get in trouble. I'm reminded of Diane and I when we first got married and went to school we were just so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And we opened up our first checking account. How many know what it is to reconcile the books? Months passed by. We didn't know there were service charges. We didn't know that really at the end of every month you're supposed to sit down and really add things up to see if you had money, we just thought, there's a lot of paper here. I guess you can start writing these puppies till you run out of paper. And finally, one day, Diane and I went to the bank. I'm really concerned about what's going on, and we sort of embarrassingly sat down. And the lady said, well, you've got to add this up every month. And this is what we charge you every month. And I'm like, whoa. Nobody said there was a charge. Well, yeah, we did at the very beginning. You just weren't listening. Why? Why is this important? Because 
the bank has a version of the books that you have to add up to. That's reality. Your reality is not reality. You can say you have a lot of checks. That means nothing. You can say you have what you want. That means nothing. You can say how good you are. That means nothing. If it does not reconcile with God's books, am I making any sense? Here's what Paul says. God who through Christ reconciled. Here's what reconcile means. You take two things that are at enmity with each other, two things that don't add up, and it's not that you just help them get along. You put them on the same page, and now everything adds up. Everything makes sense. Now, I'm not suggesting this morning that through Jesus Christ we were reconciled, that God gave a little bit and we gave a little bit. That's how we want to live. Lord, thank you for saving me. I'll give you about 80% of my life. But I got this 20%, Lord, you know. No, reconciled means Jesus came, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, and that through reconciliation, he gave his ministry of reconciliation, that in Christ God was reconciling, now listen, the world, the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us to us the message of reconciliation. Now here's why that's important. This, this is going to mess a few of us up. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, it paid for the sins of the world for all eternity. Everything. Do you know that your sins are already paid for, the sins that you've not even committed yet? Now, I know how some of you are thinking right now. And I'm not trying to be sarcastic, because I thought the same way. When I would hear somebody share this, I'd be like, man, okay, I'm, I'm with you. That means I can do a lot of stuff. And according to the pastor, my sins are covered. Um, sinning doesn't see, send you to hell. Sinning does not send you to hell. The Bible does not say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that if you're still sinning, you will not receive everlasting life. Why? Because the price has been paid. The debt's paid. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You want to go to heaven? Believe. Now, I'm going to go one more step. If you believe, you will follow. It's not about suddenly you become perfect, you become righteous through Jesus Christ. Now I'm clean through Jesus Christ. Am I making sense? And the, the challenge is not, well, Pastor, now you're sounding like that's moving toward legalism. Now I have to follow a bunch of rules. No, we already know we can't follow rules successfully. But when people see me, it's been said several times this morning in different ways. When people see me, I don't want to wait to heaven, as Pastor Josh says, and then the Lord says, okay, can we at least start trying? John, can you at least start making an effort to move in this direction of Christianity? Because what do, what do Christians look like? We don't just go to church on Sunday. And, and we put a list together that, well, we've got to do these things. Then it becomes guilt. 
rather than understanding that Jesus Christ paid for every sin of everyone in the entire world, all you have to do is believe? Let's get together and worship. Let's get together, and they don't even have to ask me to sing, even if I don't sing well. I'm going to sing praises anyway. Why? I'm free, and I believe that I'm free. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to, I don't have to do anything for it. God loves me so much. You're not acting like you really believe what I'm saying, but God loves me so much that he has saved me, and he wants to have a relationship with me. Therefore, he says, every day, say something like this. Forgive me of what I never could have been able to pay as I forgive those who could never repay me. Well, if I've, been, if I've been forgiven and I don't have to live in guilt and I don't have to live in shame, why is it that I have to confess this every day? Why do you want to remind me every day of how miserable you are? See, that's just our human stupidity. We're not reminding you every day of how miserable you are. The reason we take communion is to remind you of how free we are. Every day when you pray, Our Father who art in heaven, holy, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive me, Lord, of the things that I could have never paid for. I can't earn what you've done for me. So, Lord, I'm going to forgive people who even if they've done something to me, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the example that you were to us. On top of the fact he said do it. Now, this is easy to preach, guys. It's easy to preach. But can we talk about it for a few minutes? This is why confession is so important. Abraham believed. We have to believe. But if I believe, and it's a choice, if I believe, I'll walk it out. Are there, some, are there going to be some days where walking it out is painful? Yeah, if you think Christianity does not come with pain, you have lost your mind. I, I, don't, I, I didn't expect that. That's why Jesus says, um, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I, I have overcome the world. That's why I have marriage counseling. Yep. I tell every couple that I meet with for marriage counseling, listen, the reason we're meeting is not to tell you how wonderful things are, it's to, it's to show you all the signs. That way, when you're headed toward that bump in the road, you'll, oh, we talked about this one. Because you don't need to get married. I hate to ruin your marriage, but listen. You don't need to get married thinking, everything is beautiful for about two days. Somebody needs to come along and say, hey, be of good cheer. You will overcome the world till death do you part, right? Now, I'm, I'm saying this because you have to understand everything we do has, has a twist to it, and it really does impact our forgiveness capacity because the twist is this. If I forget what he's done, I try to start paying. I try to start deserving all look what I do I sacrifice with I deserve to be a Christian because I do this for God and I do this for God and I proclaim that's not what saves us 
None of that saves you. Do you believe? Do you believe? Why confess? Because it's his grace, not our works. Hebrews 9.14 says, Purify your consciousness from dead works. It's powerful because Paul goes into a lot of detail, and I, I really don't have time to focus like I'd like to on this particular part. But listen, Paul goes into a lot of detail in Hebrews specifically when he says, if you're not careful, you fall into this cycle of thinking that you have deserved God's favor. You're not, you're not saying it, but in your life, in your prayer, now you're doing everything out of guilt rather than praise. That's why he says, you praise me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You praise me with your actions. You praise me with your works, but your hearts are far from me. How does this, how does this continue to work? Well, I'll try to start to earn it. And we try to appease God with, with dead works. And listen, dead works do not mean bad works. They can be powerfully good works, but you can do the good things for the wrong reasons, and they're dead. Why are they dead? They don't produce life. They don't save you. So we confess because we have to remind ourselves, guys, listen. We, we were in debt, and Jesus paid it all. Forgive me of my sin. Now, why do we keep praying that every day? Because you sin every day. And, and listen, even, even if you try to rationalize how, how much better your sins are than somebody else's, it's still sin. Well, at least I'm not like. Okay. The Bible says, I believe it's John 1, 9, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. What does confessing your sin mean? It means reconciling your understanding of what God says about sin. If God says, this is wrong, you need to get on the same page. I confess, Lord, this is where I am. He's faithful and just to forgive you. Why? He's already paid the price. So why do I have to bring it up every day? Please, I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Why do I have to bring it up? You're not bringing up your sin every day. You're bringing up the fact that he paid for your sin. And your conscience can be clean. That's what Hebrews is telling us, that you can have a clean conscience. Why? Because when you've messed up, it's a good thing to be able to stand and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the price that you paid through Jesus Christ. Now, what does that also help me do? It helps me also to understand, Lord, today I'm not doing that same thing again. Lord, help me lead us not into that's next week. Lord, you know the things that I battle with. Thank you for paying the price. But that's not who I am. I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. The old man has died. The new has become. I want to be like you, Jesus. Really? Yes, I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to be free. I want to be whole. I want to have a good... Re you, are, you really want to be like me, John? Yes. Forgive. Lord I've got a short list on how that works Lord how about your wife oh, is it a shorter list Lord hello uh, do you know what unforgiveness will do to you 
unforgiveness will make you a bitter, sour person. It'll make you callous. Your joy is gone. Your happiness is gone. Can I tell you that, that for the majority of us in this room, now listen, for the majority of us in this room, the reason you can't move to that next level, the reason you can't move to that next victory is not because God is not the God of miracles. It's you refuse to believe. Not that he can move that mountain. Is that he saved you you should save them or forgive them. If he forgave you of what you've done, forgive them. Because that's really the second point. Confess and then forgive. In Matthew chapter 18, um, the question is asked Jesus, how many times if someone sins against me, must I forgive them? Is it seven Peter came and said, Lord, how often will my uh, brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Now, some think that Peter is here being religious. Lord, let them do something to me seven times and I'll still forgive them. No, actually, Peter's wanting to know where the line is. So, on number eight, you're a dead man. Right? Can I get a witness out there? Anybody? All right. Because that's also called keeping score. It's keeping score. Well, pastor, you know that saying, forgive and forget. We have to forget. No, the Bible, you're not going to forget. You don't forget. You don't. That's what I've always been taught. Does God forget our sins? No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. The Bible does not say he forgets in that terms. Here's what it means by he remembers no more. He doesn't bring them up. When he forgives you of your past, you are cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he happens not just to bring them up every time he gets around you, like we do. We get so historical when we get hysterical. Now listen, and I, I want to be nice when I say this, so please, you'll have to forgive me. Ladies, you're better than the men at this. Now, now men have good memories, but ladies have better memories. Um, honey, I don't know what you're talking about. When did I do that? September the 14th. <laughs> 2006, you had a brown shirt on. And you said, and most of us men are like, where, where were we in 2000? Now, here's, here's the thing. It's easy to keep score. Oh, one more time, you're dead meat. Say it again. Do it again. I'm not going to be made to look silly. I'm not a doormat. Now, just listen to me, because I'm not talking about being a doormat, but please listen to me. When Jesus says, no, not seven, I say 70 times are 77 fold. Um, here's what Jesus is saying. He's not saying um, just keep forgiving even when you can't add it all up. That's the way, listen, 
That's the way a lot of times I've heard it. Because then we start getting to three to six. And then I'm like, I oh, forget it. You're forgiven. We can't, we can't remember that far back. So we think Jesus is just saying, forgive, forgive, and you'll finally forget. No. Here's what that term comes from. In Genesis, Cain killed his brother Abel. And when God set Cain out, he cursed him. But he said, if any man harms or lays a hand on Cain, he will be accursed and my revenge will be seven times on me. Now, now Cain goes on and gets married and he has uh, a lineage and comes to a, a gentleman by the name of Lamech. And let's just read. Uh, Lamech said to his wives in Genesis chapter 4, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. But now listen. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. See, when Jesus tells this to Peter, it's a very common Hebrew phrase. And here's what it means from Lamech, and here's what, what Peter was referring to. Instead of being vengeful, seventy-sevenfold, are 70 times 7. Instead of being so vengeful, Lord, I'm not going to be vengeful if I only do it 7 times, right? I can put up with somebody 7. No, here's what, here's what it's saying. Jesus is saying, I'm telling you, forgive. There is no limit, but it's not about getting revenge. It's not if you can count that high, you can finally get your revenge on someone. Because unforgiveness, that's really what unforgiveness is. You're deciding how you want them to be forgiven. Now, have I mentioned this the last few weeks? I'm having to preach from the foot of the cross. I'm, I've told my wife, this series is killing me. The Word of God has a tendency to show you who you are. And then I have to say, Wait, Lord, I can't. I can't preach this. Really can't. Preaching is not what saves you anyway. And doing stuff is not what saves you. People need to hear to stop doing and thinking they're saved because of something they've done and believing that I've done something for them. So when I talk to you this morning, I'm, I'm telling you that bitterness will destroy you. There are things we've talked about this week with some friends and Diane and I about bitterness and how that things get into your life that lasts for years and, and you have no joy and you have no, and there's this baggage that's got you all bound up. We sang about it this morning. You're just all wrapped up and you're in a grave and you think it's your hangout spot. And you're wrapped up with stuff. And it, it listen, it all boils down to unforgiveness. It, it really does. It boils down to unforgiveness. And I wonder how many of us sometimes we're so wrapped up with bitterness and anger and resentment that, that relationships can't move forward because we just, if, if they walk in the door, our stomach turns. If, if their name is mentioned, we get ticked off. Listen, it's, it's everybody in here. Just relax. Every one of us. 
not picking on anybody, picking on everybody. It's, it's every one of them. So, so what's, what's, the, what's the answer, Pastor? Jesus. He's always been the answer. He's already paid the price. He is the answer. There's no other name under heaven which you will be saved but the name of Jesus. It's only the blood of Jesus Christ that saves us from our sins. It's not our works. But I, I, want, you to, I want you to listen to this when we look at <clears throat> the last part there of Matthew 18. Jesus goes on to tell about a, a scenario to sort of help us learn how this could look. And it's not on the PowerPoint there, but instead of acting vengeful and, and lashing out and getting our way, Jesus says, listen, therefore there's a kingdom uh, and it's compared to a king who wished to settle his accounts. So when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, I'm not going to wear you out with all this, but listen, um, 10,000 talents is, is a weight. And so if you go, it, don't Google this now, but if you Google it, it'll try to tell you how much things were back then and how much they're worth now. So if we just use silver, that he owed him 10,000 talents of silver, that would be $161 million today. So he calls him in and he says, you're due now. Master, I'll never be able to repay. I, 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 give me some time. Give me some time. And he said, now's the time. I'm going to throw your family in jail. I'm going to throw you in jail. I'm going to throw all your kids. I'm taking everything you own. Please, please give me some time. And the master had mercy. And said, okay, your debt is forgiven. Now, you and I, first of all, we can't even imagine what $161 million looks like. But the point is, he was forgiven of something he could have never But now he walks out, the Bible says, and he sees a man that according to the same trans, uh, transfer rate owed him $8,700. Now, you don't have to raise your hands, but mo most of us owns something worth $8,700. It might be the rest of your house. It might be your car. You know, this jacket will be mine in six more payments. You know, so my, my point is all of us know that we can pay off $8,700 in a couple of years. You know that. But this guy grows and grabs him by the neck and says, you pay me now. Okay, give me some time. Give me 36 months, man. I'll do this. I promise you. No. And he starts having his family thrown in jail because he won't forgive him. You know the story. The word gets around, gets back to the master. The master calls him in. You wicked I forgave you of $161 million and you wouldn't let him go for $8,700. Now listen, listen to what happens. He has him, everything he has, thrown into prison. And then he says, and in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailer until he should pay all of his debt. Now, one translation says he delivered him to turmoil. What does that mean? That's the bitterness. When you don't forgive someone, you're not controlling them. You're living ticked off that they're not ticked off. 
you're living mad because you're trying to make them mad. We become passive, aggressive. I'm just not going to pay attention to him today. And they're thinking, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. I'm tired of talking to him anyway. I'm going to show him. I'm going to lash out in anger. Go ahead. It'll get you arrested. I mean, I'm not trying to be silly. The reality is, um, everything that you're upset about, I'll guarantee you, it boils down to unforgiveness, even if it's unforgiveness of yourself. It may not be that you have to uh, forgive the person next to you as much as you still haven't forgiven yourself, and you're miserable, you're bitter, you're frustrated because you can't even believe, God, I don't love myself. How could you love me enough? Please, I want to earn your love. And God is saying, you are not believing what I want you to believe. Paul writes all of his letters fighting the same battle. Every church he writes to, he's wrestling with them, trying to get them to believe. Please believe this is real. Jesus Christ is the answer to your sin. I want, I want to close with this. Hebrews tells us, chapter 12, strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. I've done a lot of reading on this the last several weeks because it messed me up. I was bitter and didn't know it. I would get depressed about things. And I would get down about it. And I'd be like, Lord, pick me up out of this valley. Nope. That's not my job, God. Lord, what do you mean? You're, you're a way maker. And you're starting to get it. I've already made a way. You just don't believe it. I, when you start acting like I'm the way maker, you're going to see the way. I, I realized this last week, I've been works driven more than I want to admit. And maybe not my preaching, but maybe more than I want to admit my I've been works-oriented more than I want to admit because I, I feel good when I'm doing things that I feel good about, even if they don't bear fruit. Rather than saying, Lord, what is it that you want to work on in my life? And you know what he always brings up? He doesn't bring up, John, I want you to read two more chapters a day. He never says, John, I want you to learn a new song once a week. I want you to write a book. He, ne he never says that. He says, I want you to forgive that person. Give me something else, Lord. Anything else. I'll, I'll climb any mountain. I'll cross every sea, Lord. Tell me to go. I'll be a missionary, Lord. Tell me. I want you to forgive that person. Something else, Lord. And when I do that, I keep trying to earn God's love. And see, now here's, here's the trickle down. When you start living like that, you want everybody else to earn your love. shows up in your relationships. Now listen, it shows up in our marriages. 
And when it shows up in our marriages, it shows up in our kids. And what Paul is saying is, if you're not careful, it shows up. And everything becomes defined. Everything's built on a bunch of works and not Jesus Christ. Everything's built on stuff and not a relationship. Now let's flip that. What would life look like? And I don't mean like that, the, the, the silliness of Hollywood and if everyone was somehow blind to hurt and everybody just walked around, hi, I love you. But I just hurt you. That's okay. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real relationships, though, when, when somebody does something stupid. First of all, you can be accountable to each other. But then you can also say, hey, listen, man, that's not right. Let's get that right. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. No problem. Why? Because I'm not going to keep bringing up your stuff. Because when I keep bringing up your stuff, you don't want to be around us anymore. Now, now, let me say it this way. The reason we have services like this is so we can talk about stuff like this. Because I already know the Lord's dealing with all of us. Because there's somebody, inevitably, and it might be 25 years ago or 30 minutes ago, but God is saying, let it go. Let it go. Emily, if you'll please come. There's one more step that this goes, and I didn't put on a PowerPoint because I wasn't sure if I was going to go here or not. But if you read that verse in Hebrews, one more line, it brings up fornication. Why? Study this. Study it. Don't take my word for it. Go home and study. What is he saying? You become so blinded by a form of religion that you'll just give yourself away to defilement and sexuality. You'll become so blinded by the grace of God that you're not living by the grace of God. You're trying to create a place and call it grace. Something that you've earned. Something that you can take responsibility for. And when you do that, you'll find yourself defiling your thinking, defiling the body of Christ. And literally anything goes. Anything goes. Why? And, and my wife and I were talking about this week. Because <clears throat> I'm, I'm the kind of person, if I don't get my way on something, I hope none of you have that problem. But if I don't get my way with something, I'll, I'll go straight to Paul. Die daily. I crucify the flesh. I crucify the flesh. And I've shared this with you before. There just comes a point where you're like, man, I'm tired of dying every day. I'm tired of, my, my whole life seems to be, okay, Lord, I die to the fact that I don't get my own way. And the Lord showed me multiple times through his word and study this week, John, you're trying to kill the wrong thing. What you're, trying to, what you're trying to kill should obviously be dead. You getting your own way was never the point. So you making this great sacrifice, okay, I'll crucify the flesh. Wah, wah. You know what this is, don't you? It's not a booger, but you know what that is, don't you? That's a violin, world's smallest violin. A little cheese and wine, and you can all feel sorry for me, right? 
No, this isn't about feeling sorry for anybody. It's we, we have decided if I don't do this, I'm good, and if I do this, I'm bad. So I'll just try to find that in between and earn God's grace. And he's saying, John, if you're not careful, if you're not careful, find yourself trying to earn something for God from God that I've never demanded from you and then you're demanding it from people and you're demand and and I looked at my own life guys and I'm just being transparent with you it's so easy for me to look back at my life and realize there's so much bitterness and things that I've not let go because after all they really hurt me bad here's Here's how simple it is. Um, when I go before God, you'll find that in the Lord's Prayer, He doesn't say, forgive others of their sins as I have forgiven you. He says, the, the prayer says, forgive us of our sins as we forgive others. It's, you really can't forgive anyone until you understand You really can't. If you're sitting here this morning wrestling with forgiving someone, you'll never really understand it until you really understand how he's forgiven you. You'll never really want to, to let that person be free of whatever it is they've done. You'll never really want them to be free because you're, you're still keeping score from 20 years ago or you're still keeping score from, from 20 minutes ago. You're still keeping score. You'll never understand what it is to set them free until you realize how He has set you free. What is it the Holy Spirit is saying to you? It, it could be that someone is here this morning and you're, you're understanding that you've never really accepted what Jesus Christ has done. You, you've prayed that you can be forgiven, but somehow embrace the fact that it might be based on your works and you might be hearing this morning that is not the case and it's not I want you to accept him as your Lord and Savior maybe you've been saved but you're, you're way far from home come home he's saying it this morning he's calling your name don't stay wrapped up don't stay in that cold, bitter place. Come out. Come out of there. Why? Because it's not by the works that you can do, but it's by what Jesus Christ has done. He is the resurrection of life. What would it look like for that person that God is putting on your heart right now to forgive them? Now, please understand, I've already said it. This isn't about all the feelings disappear. This, this is grace in action. You ready? Grace and action. So if, if I've hurt Pastor Josh or Pastor Corey's feelings, I've done something really bad and I've really upset them, I can't just say, guys, please forgive me. Okay, um, any questions? All right, let's go. No, because if I really hurt them, they're hurt. Even if they say, okay, yeah, no problem. Here's how forgiveness is, is lived out. Maybe I should have reversed that because I, I, I'll live it out for you guys. They really hurt my feelings, and then they ask for forgiveness. What do I do? I'll forgive you when the feeling's there. Okay? 
Can I see you guys in my office? No, that's, that's what Donald Trump did in the White House. I'm not bashing politics or presidency, but when the trial's over and you fire everybody, when you can stand up at a prayer breakfast and the guy says, the speaker gets up and reads from the Word of God, that we should love one another, and then you get up and say, well, I don't quite agree with that. I didn't like it. Now, I'm not bashing Trump. Just get over it. I'm telling you how you act. He just happened to do it publicly. So now what am I saying? A am I going to take out revenge when I get a chance? Am I going to get my way when I get a chance? Or am I going to say, okay, there's some feelings there, but we're a team. So even if I'm upset about something, I don't bury it. I pray about it. We talk about it. But then I still, I treat them with respect. I treat them nicely. I treat them like I want to be treated. I love them because the Bible tells us there's two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And when you love yourself, it's now because you don't hate yourself. You understand what Christ has done for you. You will always hate yourself when you're trying to earn something you can't get to. this translates to your marriage to your business what would it look like if suddenly people were saying you know the next time you hurt me I'm going to love you I'm just going to have grace the next thing you say something bad about me I'm going to love you seven times sevenfold. I'm going to love you love you love you love you now I know we're human can I get an amen? But here's the hard part. I don't care what you define grace in your life as. The Bible says if you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. Could it be that God just wants to start working on some hearts this morning and set us free? And even when you get mad, teach us how to, we got a grace group on Watch Your Mouth. So maybe, maybe if I forgive someone, the first thing I need to do is go to that grace group and start watching my mouth. This good amen stuff, you're just not acting like it. We got a, a marriage grace group. It's already, you know, been one night, hate it. But that's what it's geared to do. It's, it's the word of God is sharp. It, it's it's wanting to do surgery in our lives I'm so glad Cindy shared what she shared because so many times we get caught in this mindset of here I am God fix me thank God there's not a lot of work to do and the Lord is simply lovingly saying he's in for a ride because when God starts dealing with you more gets tore up so things can be built up and we're comfortable with Let's stand, so I'll stop. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we come to you today. But Father, we come confessing. Maybe some for the very first time, but, but all of us daily confessing that there is no way
we could repay what you've done. Help us to understand that you have paid for the sins of the world. So really what we're confessing today, Lord, is, is that we're still part of that bunch. Yes, we're sinners saved by grace. We're filled with your power. But Lord, if there's stuff in my life, Father, thank you for setting us free. But now, Lord, I want to walk out of here with a clean conscience. I want to walk out of here with a pure conscience that only laying my sins at the foot of the cross where you have paid for them, Lord, that's what sets me free. And Lord, as brothers in Christ, we walk out in community together, Lord, and it's not about one service a week. Now we're doing life together, not getting in everybody's business, but Lord, learning how to live this life together. And if somebody's struggling with something, Lord, we can run to you, Lord, or, or we have community that we can sit down and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Pray with me about it. Lord, you've called us to live a life of victory. Lord, I pray that we take those steps this morning, not to remember how bad we are, but how free we are in Jesus Christ. Lord, I lift up brothers and sisters to you right now who have been living in bondage for so many years that they can't even imagine what that freedom would look like. They can't even imagine what forgiving that person would be like or feel like because, Lord, we're just being transparent. There's anger, there's fear, there's hurt, there's, there's bitterness, Lord. It's there. But in the name of Jesus Christ, now, Lord, I pray that we see you and what you paid for us. Lord, with our eyes there, I pray that you start a work in us today that would set us free as we set them free. In Jesus' name. I want us to sing this song, but I want to invite you. I know it's 1130, but I want to invite you this morning. If there's something that God is dealing with you with, whoever you are, I know this impacts all of us in a very unique way, but I want us to pray with you. And as we sing this song, if you want to come down to these altars, we just want to spend a time of prayer before we dismiss. If you stay in your seats where you are, I want to encourage you to maybe just turn and kneel and pray. Make it a very personal time where you're connecting with our Father about this issue, right? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you want to hear more, you can find our entire archive on our website at graceriverva.com. Also, if this message has touched you in any way, we would love to connect with you. Do this by filling out a connection card at graceriverva.com connect. From all of us at Grace River Church, have a blessed day.